3: welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I'm also an avid traveler. So I bring you stories from the airplane, from the pilots who fly those airplanes, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called Kids on a Plane. There's a movie coming out this summer that's getting a lot of press on the internet called Snakes on a Plane. And the title of this episode, Kids on a Plane, is sort of an homage to that upcoming movie. And I actually have a story at the end of this episode that involves both kids and snakes on a plane. And you know, sometimes kids on a plane can be almost as much trouble as snakes on a plane and at the end of this episode i also have a sort of promo travel story for my next destination i'm heading off to nicaragua in a couple of weeks so hopefully i'll be able to bring you stories from there but let's get right to those pesky kids on a plane
2: yes i do have a kid's story it was an early morning flight And there was about a six-year-old unaccompanied young little boy sitting by himself next to the window seat, looking out the window. And while we were still climbing, I hear the call bell light go off. So I go up, thinking that maybe he needs a little medical attention, and he's looking out of the window. And he thought of the lightest thing that he could think of, and he said, Can an ant stand on a cloud? And I thought, oh man, I just almost broke my neck getting up to you, but it was so darn cute. I just had to go, you know, and I can't stand on a cloud. He would fall right through. And the little boy said, oh, I just wondered.
3: story about kids on a plane. (laughs) And uh, I was on a flight, it was a 727. So that was quite a few years ago. And sometimes kids are too short when they're going into the lavatory on the aircraft, they can't reach the latch that locks the door and also turns on the light and they're afraid to go in with it being dark. So I had told this particular little boy, he I told him, go ahead and go in, and I will lock the door from the outside so the light will go on. And, you know, I've done this many times, didn't think too much of it, so he goes in, I lock the door, and just about that time, the other flight attendant who's on the beverage cart, pretty far up the cabin, rings her call bell. That's sometimes what we do to signal each other when we need something. So she rings the bell, I look up and she's motioning with her hands and a tea, which means she needs a tea from the galley. So I go get her the tea, I take it up there. And a passenger asked me something and I just forgot about the kid in the lab and started doing more beverages. And then I, I started hearing something and I'm thinking, what, what? What is that banging noise? (laughs) And it got louder and louder. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I left the kid locked in the bathroom. I get back there and he is banging on the door. Let me out! Let me out! Let me out! out!" (laughs) The poor thing, he couldn't reach the handle to get out. I left him in there, trapped in the lavatory. And I I opened the door and I let him out. He was crying and I was so sorry. And I thought, oh my goodness. Years from now, the poor thing's going to be in therapy talking about how he was trapped in the lab on the aircraft.
2: I was on the beverage cart. Um, we were
4: just serving serving beverages Forget where we're going to Salt Lake City or something like that. And there was a woman sitting on the aisle. She had her family with her. Her husband was across the aisle from her, and she had her children with her. And what I thought was a rather young child in arms, and I looked down, and she's breastfeeding him. Which, of course, you try not to notice. You see kind of a lot of that. It's not as creepy as it used to be. So. So I'm serving, and I turn around and I ask her, what will you have to drink? And the child takes his mouth off his mom's booth and says, I'll have a Sprite. (laughs) So I wanted to say, no, it looks like you've already got a drink.
3: You're going to tell me about a kid on a plane?
0: Actually, two kids. Uh, I was onboard leader on one flight. And um, on the very first row, I had two little girls, uh, very nicely dressed, prim and proper. And um, I was passing out the peanuts and all the little goodies in a basket. And when I offered it, I offered it first to the older uh, girl. And the little girl must have been about five years old while her sister must have been two or three years old. So the older sister very daintily picks up a a bag of peanuts and she says very politely, Thank you very much, sir. So then I offered it to the little girl and the little girl grabs a bag of peanuts very fast and the older sister says to her, Now what do you say to the young man? And the little girl says, stretching her arm and showing me her peanut bag. Open it!
3: (laughs) Do you have another kid's story?
2: I do have another kid's story. I was actually a passenger on a flight and I was seated next to another seven-year-old boy who was traveling alone and apparently he did not tighten his seat belt all the way before takeoff. It was very loose, like someone large was seated in that seat before. So I noticed it was loose, I didn't want to be a Budinsky, so before takeoff I looked at him and said, hey, you might want to tighten up before we uh, take off, looking at his seatbelt. And then as we were climbing and taking off, I look over and he's like, he's just like, you know, squeezing his eyes, his face, his arms, his legs, he was tightening everything on his body except for the obvious, the (laughs) seatbelt.
3: And now this next story was actually sent to me by a listener, uh, listener Pete. And he wrote, the first time I took my son, he was about 10 at the time. We were at Dulles, boarded and ready to come home to England. He had a window seat just behind the wing and was very intent on watching everything that was going on. He then turned to me and said in one of those booming voices, Dad! The engines leaking. And you could you could have heard a pin drop in the cabin. And uh I was a Royal Air Force um for quite a few years. I knew enough about military aircraft to know that fuel tanks often vented and drips of fuel could be seen underneath, so I told him. But he chirped back, No, Dad, it's not a drip, it's a proper leak. Look. Again there was silence and you could hear mutters, like Chinese whispers going around, we're leaking. That, that that little boy says we're leaking. Just then, the captain came on the PA and stated we were going to have to change airplanes because the engine was leaking. Told you, Dad, boomed Alex, we're leaking. But there's a couple of dudes on, on a stepladder having a look. Everybody on board went into gripe mode about having to change planes and blah, blah, blah. And And then he chirped out, I think they fixed it because it ain't leaking anymore, Dad. Naturally, the mutterings continued until the captain announced the plane was fixed and we were going to carry on in this one. And then there was mutterings turned into mutterings of panic. This continued until Alex blurted out at the top of his 10-year-old voice, Don't worry, Dad. You'll be all right. They've definitely sorted out the leak and I'll keep an eye on things while we're flying. At that seemed to go around the cabin, and the mutterings returned to general chatter. I made no comment, just pulled my seat belt a little tighter than normal and put my trust in the airline engineers, the crew, and my 10-year-old leak watcher. <laughs> he watched all night long, all the way to London. I couldn't believe it. We landed in Heathrow, and he turned to me with bloodshot eyes and said, Phew, Dad, we made it. I have great hopes for that boy. Perhaps he'd make a good flight attendant. I'd be proud of him if he did. Thanks, listener Pete, and thanks, Alex. I thought that was a very cute kid on a plane story.
1: One flight, we're climbing out of Orlando on our way uh, on our way up to uh, somewhere. And we level off, and ding, 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 and we answer the intercom, and the flight attendant in the back galley on a big old 7-6 goes, there's a snake back here. A snake? What? There's a snake back here. And I says, well, what does it look like? And T describes it, and since it wasn't a rattlesnake, I was very happy to go back and get it. The captain looks at me and he says, you, you got it. So going back to, to the um, ab galley, and sure enough, they had put this blanket over about three foot, three about foot? a, about a three foot long bull snake, an albino bull snake, and they'd put a blanket over. We put it up. I grabbed it up, put it in a bag. But never in my afraid, life.
3: You weren't afraid to grab it?
1: No, because it wasn't. I could tell it's not a rattlesnake. I mean, I grew up with rattlesnakes in Arizona, and this was not a rattlesnake. We closed the bag up, and then we uh, gave it to the agent that met the flight. Says if everybody's missing their uh, bull snake, here it is.
3: You never found out where it was from.
1: We never found out where it's from. fun. In fact, we made a PA if anybody's missing their snake. <laughs> at, at the end of the flight, at the very end of the flight. That was
5: good. It was at the end of the flight. We had the same thing happen on one of our flights. Same
2: thing?
5: It was the 300 years ago, five years ago, from Salt Lake to Denver. And um, it was the 300 we got a ring from the back, and um, apparently there was a pregnant lady sitting in coach, and she reached down to her bag under the seat in front of her, and there was a snake coiled up on top of it. And it was about a 10-inch long California king snake, which are harmless. And so she rang her call button, the flight attendants came up, and a flight attendant picked it up and put it in a gray trash bag. And um, um, she called us. We made a PA, asked them whether we lost a pet. Nobody... Nobody would admit to it. Then we said, you know, it's a reptile. You're not in any trouble. We just want to return it to its rightful owner. No one claimed it. Finally, we said, if you really want to get rid of it, with someone please take it? And no one took it. So we got to Denver. It was a short flight. And um, there was an old man who was a carry off. And he said, as he was being carried off, that there were two young boys, unaccompanied. So he said there were two unaccompanied in front of him who uh, were laughing and giggling that they let something loose on the airplane. So we they che-
3: do it on purpose?
5: I think so. We checked their uh, the records and their computer, and they came from Sacramento. The airplane came from Sacramento, and these particular snakes are from that area. So they probably saw it walking into the airport or something. Oh my gosh. So we put it in the bag, we took it to the gate agent, and the gate agent said, we're just going to destroy it. So I said, you can't do that. So we brought it back in the airplane, left in the cockpit. We were flying back to uh, Salt Lake. In fact, the captain wasn't real thrilled about this. <laughs> and I was on a reserve then, um, and I had a place in Salt Lake City. So I went back, took the snake home with me, put it in a little cage, then I commuted to Spokane. So I was going back to Spokane, and I was going to take it with me. And so yeah, this
3: was very nice of you.
5: all for this an animal lover. Great. So I got to the airport for my flight to Spokane, I had to go through security, and the snake was in a little plastic terrarium in my carry-on bag, my duffel bag. And I didn't want to put the snake through the uh, x-ray machine. So I went to the restroom before he got to security. And I had, it was the fall, I had a light jacket on. So I took the snake out of the thing, put it in my zippered pocket, put my duffel bag through security, and I had some reptile paraphernalia in there, like a heat rock and stuff. So they wanted to check my bag. This is before 9-11. So they're going through my duffel bag. I walk through security through the uh, machine and then I'm waiting while they're switching my bag and the snakes trying to get out so he's poking around and so I had my hand down disguising the snake and um, wondering if I can get fired for smuggling a snake through security and they didn't ask they didn't notice it so I got back went down to the pilot lounge in Salt Lake went back into the bathroom switched the snake back into its uh, cage and took it home and that was like six years ago and I still got it It's about five and a half feet long.
3: story is not about kids but it is another flight attendant who had just got back from Nicaragua and she had this cute little story and I thought I'd air it this week since I'm about to head off to Nicaragua myself. I'm gonna be there for like 12 days. I'm very excited and uh, here's a little promo to my Nicaragua trip. Okay so you recently got back from Nicaragua. I did. I to just give a little history. We
4: were gone for 10 days and we were in most of the time in kind of primitive culture. And one of the things that I thought was oh, quite amazing but still very happy to have it was indoor plumbing. But when you were to wipe yourself you just take like one sheet or two sheets at a time and then after you're finished you fold it up and then you put it in in the the, the little trash. 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 Thank you can't me. put it in the-, the toilet. No you can't put it in the toilet. And in fact, if my husband hadn't told me that, I wouldn't have known because they didn't instruct me. But, so I figured that out. And so, you know, during the time, it became perfectly normal for me to do that. They
3: don't have the smallest rolls of toilet paper. They're like mini rolls. They're like teeny tiny. They're teeny tiny, and the paper is so fragile.
4: Nice. But again, you just know that you only need to take two squares off no matter what. So, I, but again, I got used to the inconvenience of it, and this is just the way life is, so... We're going home, and now we've been on the road for an hour and a half, and I have to go to the bathroom so bad. I mean, I'm going to just burst my bladder. So I run in, and I get down on the toilet, and as usual, and I'm just rolling up this paper, and I look at my hand, and I have this huge roll of toilet paper, and I thought, my gosh, that'd be enough to last a week in Nicaragua. So it just goes to show this tremendous consumption and excess that we live with. And, again, and we take for granted. And we take it for granted. And I thought, okay, I'm going to stop myself. I'm never going to do that again. My golly, <laughs> if I didn't do it again the next morning. And I just thought, oh, who cares? This is just the way we live. <laughs> and then you were saying that they wash their
3: clothes actually with a washboard? like they we
4: do. It is a concrete, and then it's got ridges inside, and it's maybe, oh, three, four inches deep and you see the women and they're scrubbing their clothes and what I can't figure out is how their clothes maintain any kind of, I mean we think you'd wear away the material right. but in actuality they don't and when they do hang them up on the line they're very bright and they're they're totally clean so they put a little soap and then they've got a um, another wash bin next to it and they, they throw water on it and then they rinse it off and throw it on there again and then they put it up on the line to dry and. I never saw anybody with a washer, well, not definitely not a dryer, but no washer either, that was. How, how
3: many years ago do you think it was in the States that we used washboards? <laughs>
4: I would say it's got to be on the farm, because I think at the beginning of the 1900s, with electricity, or did they, but we, they used to have a ringer, I think, so you could ring it through. But uh, this is, and in fact, um, except for Haiti, it is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And the average income per year, $300 a year. Did you say the average income
3: per year in Nicaragua is?
4: $300 per year.
3: We are lucky in the States, aren't
4: we? We are so lucky. And yet, I'll tell you, these people are very happy. And uh, they're very healthy. And there's a lot of. Friendly. And very friendly. And a lot of family. A lot of family.
3: That's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with the Suitcase. I hope you enjoyed the kids' stories. I have to admit, sorry all you adults out there, but the kids on that plane are usually my favorite passengers. So I hope you'll join me again next time on Betty in the Sky with the Suitcase so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye.